Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, the Bears have what feels like a must-win game or close to it coming up on Sunday in Tampa. We'll discuss that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, it was just one game, but Bears fans uh, have felt uh, compelled to freak out, maybe justifiably so. The mood here at Hallis Hall is not good. I think everybody still wound a little tight after a 38-20 shellacking. By the Packers, it seems way too early to say this, but is this a must-win game coming up? Pat, I think it is on a few fronts. One, because of just how disastrously they played in right. the opener, mm-hmm. just in all facets. They cannot allow that to set the course of their season. So there's one reason why. But another one is Tampa, in theory, is one of the weakest teams they'll play this season. Correct. And for the Bears, there's no such thing as a cupcake right. ever. Right. Uh, this season or mm-hmm. last season. But Tampa is one of your better shots. And once you get through that, then you have the Chiefs. I mean, you could, if you can't get a win here against Tampa, then you could you'll almost certainly be looking at 0-3. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, you're correct. And, and then you have to wonder, you know, as we go down their schedule and make a list of kind of what are winnable games and what aren't. Denver, the Commanders. The, yeah, Ra- the Raiders. I mean, those are I the next. Th- I mean, those are the next three after Kansas City. If you lose in Tampa, I don't think you can presume a win against anybody. Yeah, you can't even presume a win against Tampa. Last I saw, Tampa was a three-point favorite in this. No, no, but I'm saying is if you can't beat the Bucks, no, I know. I don't think you can beat I, anybody. I mean, part of the point though is that like, part of I'm agreeing with what you're saying about these teams that don't look very good, like Denver, right? Or, yeah. the, or the Raiders. Well, they'll, you know. They'll be as much as the Bears can handle. Yeah, I'd argue to you that it might not be a must-win game, but it's a must-score game. I think if they lose 35-32, I think uh, the city will be a little less uh, stressed than they appear to be this week. Uh, the offense not performing and Justin Fields not performing, to me, is more panic-inducing than the outcome of a game. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean – I think you said this Sunday night that the 38-20 final score in that Packers game, I mean, it really was worse than that. Mm-hmm. It was so out of hand in the second half, and it was 38-14 to at one point in the fourth quarter, and the game's over. Right. Anything that happens after that is just stat padding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really didn't factor. It was totally inconsequential. So to the point where Justin Fields throws that pick six and they fall behind 38-14, to uh, it's hard to find what was right with the offense at that stage. Maybe some things happened down the stretch after that that were irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields got another 70 yards to get him up over 200. Roshan Johnson looked good you know, running. I, I mean, think I think that was all. I, I think uh, in, what I dis- in what I categorize as garbage time, which is after you're down 24, I think he had seven completions. Like, that's a lot of completions. Yeah. And that really makes those numbers look good. So nothing's right is my point, though. Right. Like, nothing, nothing about them was right offensively. Let's just stay there for a second. Offensively, nothing about them was right. And you're looking for how much of that can change in a week. And I think some of it can change in a week. Yeah, and I, I realize it's not as sexy as talking about the quarterback, but this is the well, he's be- part of it. Yeah, but no, but this is this is the best running team in football last year that wasn't very good with the run this season. Now you get down twenty four, you gotta just throw it out the window. But uh you know, when the Bears are going to be good this year, it's not going to be because Justin throws 40 times a game. It's because they have a good mix of run and pass. They couldn't run the football. More than anything, though, Justin just didn't look comfortable. You know, we found different ways to parse it. It seems, you know, since Sunday night, Justin said, listen, you know, I wasn't as aggressive as I probably should have been. 
he's saying that in terms of if a guy is kind of open deep or if it's 50-50 ball, he's got to let it rip. I agree with that. I, I think there are all sorts of clips uh, that make that obvious. Now, I, I, I do want to admit that I think looking on social media and having somebody screaming, see, look, that guy's open, oversimplifies the entire endeavor here. All of that does. All of that does. Even with the Claypool stuff this week, some right. of the clips I saw, I felt differently about it when I went through and watched the plays individually on my own. Correct. Yes. There were blocking issues. There were not route running issues with Claypool, for example. And so that happens with fields. That happens with offensive linemen. That happens all over the place. Fields, to me, this seems very mental slash philosophical right. with him. And I think you were kind of alluding to this just now. I am concerned that they have drilled into his head too much to be careful. And then, Pat, you realize at some point in the game, well, I can't be so careful. We're down a million. Sure. Like, I got to get aggressive now. That's a hard switch to flip. Let me think about the game completely differently than I've been thinking about it for the last three quarters and then make a major error Well, not seeing yeah. Quay Walker on mm-hmm. that pass to Darnell Mooney over the middle. Well, and the other thing is, is it's a horrible time to try to get aggressive because, you know, if you're talking about, hey, if you're one-on-one or if you've got a decent chance to throw it up there, uh, if you're down by 11 or 14 or 24, those opportunities are not going to be there. Uh, I mean, the middle of the field wasn't open when he threw the ball there thinking it was. And you know what? If it's a close game, if the Bears are, have a second and four, maybe it is. I mean, situationally, it just felt backwards, is that they were conservative when it was close, and then they opened it up only when they were losing and only when uh, the Packers just dropped back and, and figured they'd throw every, every play anyway. I just think with Justin Fields, you need to know what you have, and the only way to know what you have is to let him play his way. Right. And that's going to be to run. And that's going to be to take chances deep. And this is the you've already made this decision, Pat. You've already chosen this is your quarterback for right. this season. Right. It's not Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or one of these other guys. You're in with Fields for this season. Right. So you got to let him play the way he wants to play. And when you get to the end of it, then you decide if you're comfortable with that for 2024. But there are two different things we're talking about here. One of them is play calling, which is not Justin's choice unless he's checking into stuff. There are five screen passes thrown yeah. early. Not as many screens as I think the people thought there were. I, you know, I've heard from fans who go, oh, you know, every other pass was a screen. I, it wasn't that. The other thing is Justin's decision-making, which is independent of the play calling. Mm-hmm. Justin's decision-making needs to be better. When he says conservative, he's talking about him, not about what the team is allowing him to do or not do. Yeah. Right? They're, they're, I mean, they're interrelated. The game plan is based on what they think he can do or think right. he should do. Or what they want him to do. Right. right. Yes, exactly. But – I think everything needs to be a little freer and everything needs to be a little more fields driven. And let me be clear, that might not work. That might be a terrible path to go down for them, Uh but they will know at least. They will know by the end of it, okay, this doesn't work or this does work. But trying to force him into this careful game and trying to preserve a version of him that isn't working, right. doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That's totally unproductive, not only now, but long term. What doesn't make sense either is DJ Moore getting two targets. He got a third on a two-point conversion that statistically doesn't count. He had two catches. Uh, Chase Claypool had two targets, had zero catches. These are guys that the Bears paid a lot of premium draft capital to acquire. The number one pick and the number 32 pick. I mean, in this year's draft. We can talk about Justin not throwing it out there for them, but doesn't the game plan have to try to get them involved a little more actively uh, than it did? Oh, I suspect their game plan 
does intend for DJ Moore to be involved. Right. And it's, again, more philosophical. Like, Justin Fields needs to throw to DJ Moore like he's a number one receiver. Right. I don't think there's ever a game where Kirk Cousins comes to the podium afterward and is like, well, they just were covering Justin Jefferson a lot today. I right. mean, what am I supposed Couldn't to do? do? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. And DJ Moore's not Justin Jefferson, but he's the closest thing the Bears have. Well, so, and, and he is – we've seen him, Pat. I think, we, I think we're in agreement on how dominant he has been in practice since he got it. We know DJ Moore can do that. So throw it to DJ Moore, like force it to DJ Moore. They always say we're not going to force it to a guy. Just force yes, it. force it to DJ Moore. Justin DJ Fields Moore. also is not Kirk Cousins. And I realize that there's a casual football fan that would sit there and laugh at that. But in terms of being an efficient passer, Kirk Cousins is miles ahead of where Justin Fields is. And I, I, I think, I, I think <laughs> when we talk about tailoring something to Justin, part of it is if Justin was your standard drop back, Kirk Cousins like passer, it'd be a different conversation. But he's not. What he's good at are different things. And I, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it was the fact that the offense was disjointed which was a lot more concerning than the outcome of the game or than even the defense being bad. And the defense was bad. It, the offense looked just like it did to me. It looked very similar to how it looked uh, the first four or five games of last year. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, without, without planned runs. Clunky, without, awkward, yeah. um, not trusting the quarterback. You have a game where I think Justin Fields completes seven of 11 passes in Green right. Bay. And I just thought the Bears were past that. And I thought they were also pat. I thought they were also past needing some kind of runway to get the offense going. Mm -hmm. At this point, yep. nobody's new. I mean, a bunch of these like a bunch of people are new. Personnel around him are new, right? But the coordinator's the same. The quarterback coach, the quarterback, they're all the same. And the people that are new are veterans, right? The people that are new are like DJ Moore. That that shouldn't slow you down. No, it shouldn't. Uh, we we could talk for another twenty minutes about. The Bears' inability to block well, uh, I think, up the middle was was particularly bad. Uh, Lucas Patrick, I, I don't think, did a good job by my eye. We could talk about. Oh, he's got his hands full this week. Oh, geez. And, I mean, you know, we could talk about the running back splits between Roshan Johnson, who played a lot in garbage time, and Khalil Herbert, who was relatively effective, and, and, and Donta Foreman, who I think is going to be their goal line guy. But uh, real quick, before we get to picks, I want to talk about Chase Claypool. You mentioned it. Um, Missed a couple of blocks, one of them on a screen to Darnell Mooney that got absolutely blown up, uh, the other on a, on a toss play to the right where he had a crack back on a linebacker, I believe, and completely whiffed on it. If you're not catching passes and if you're not making blocks, what exactly are you doing, Chase Claypool? Yeah, you're doing less than Equinemius St. Brown would do. I mean, the, the, right. not, the reason you don't want Equinemius St. Brown in there is because he's not a dynamic playmaker. Mm -hmm. But right now, neither is Claypool. So at least get the guy in there, you know, St. Brown that will block. And Fields, like, delivered a sonnet on how reliable right. Equinemius St. Brown is the other day. Right. And you're hearing that and you're like, would, and any, he playing? would anybody on this roster describe Chase Claypool that way? No. Always on time, always in the right spot, Mr. Dependable, great blocker. I don't understand why they can't activate both of them I, I don't see why this is an either or proposition you know you can sit there and say well they need one guy Trent Taylor to return punts and a different guy um, uh, Tyler Scott to return kicks and that's true but there's a world where there is room for all those guys in one spot right I'm not saying Bayless Jones I'm saying everybody would. well I'd, I would put it to you this way like don't you think Equinemia St. Brown will be active Sunday either way yeah I'd say 95% chance he'll be active Sunday yeah okay well then we're Somebody has to come off. Someone has to be inactive to make that happen. 
And they could pull that from another position, but you got seven wide receivers, Pat. That's a good point. I mean, you could play six, though. I mean, that's uh, I'm not asking for seven. I'm asking yeah. for six. I, I think Claypool, you know, you've argued that maybe the message to send is to bench him. Isn't it? It wouldn't be just a message to Claypool, by the way. It would be a message, be a message to, everybody. to everybody. Like, when I get up here and I talk about the hits principle and then you go out and play like that, like, we're not letting that happen. But Luke Getze had a chance on Thursday to criticize his effort, and he didn't. He said the effort was there. Except for the blocking? Is that, I mean, they didn't, Matt Eberflus buried him a little bit on Wednesday, but I think on Thursday, Luke Getze left open the possibility that, that Claypool's mind or head was in the right place on Sunday. I'll, let me ask you this. Yeah. Has anyone you've talked to or heard from this week, did you feel like that person had Chase Claypool's back? No. Even Luke Getze? No. No. I, it's, he's so talent, talented, and I realize this is the Chase Claypool story. This is not. This I mean, happened in. Yeah, this isn't like potential or fictitious. Like we yeah, saw it. He did yeah. it for two years. Yeah. Uh, if you if you have to win the game, and if we talk about is this a must-win game or if it isn't, do you play the talented guy or not? Uh, you play who you need to win, man. And yeah. I think they can make it work out there. They've got playmakers with Mooney and Moore, and Komet can be a solid I, pass I, catcher for them. Like I think you can afford to go down Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool for eight games. Mm-hmm. has like 14 catches. Yeah, It's not just this past week where he didn't do anything in the passing game. I he think isn't giving you much, Pat. He's not giving you much. I think there's a way to put the fear of God in him without benching him. I, I, that's what I would try, at least. And maybe I, he tried into his snaps. Like, they, like him and St. Brown are both active, but St. Yeah. Brown gets like an overwhelming majority of the snaps. Or maybe you scream at him all week. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, whatever it is isn't working, but it feels like benching him would be the last resort. I'm not sure if I want to go to my last resort in week two because I think the result of it could be worse. I think there's a world in which if he gets benched, Claypool somehow becomes more of a mess, and then you're not helping anybody. That, I mean, the and next, you the and next would, step would be he's out the door. Well, you and I would like to think, too, that that's not the way the world works, that, that they, they do what was right for the team, not what was trying to prevent a time bomb in their locker room from going off. But it's not always well, you got to do both. I mean, it's all part of it, but yeah. I think they're not getting anything out of him now. They've tried who knows what for the past 10 months or whatever yep. it's been. Mm-hmm. None of it's worked. Mm-hmm. I, I think you are kind of down to, like, bench him yeah. and see how that goes over. Yeah. And, and at that point, then, if that doesn't work, then you, you just have to let him go. I don't know. I don't think Equinemius St. Brown is a league average third receiver. I, I think that if the Bears spent all offseason deciding that they needed to have a 1-2-3 of more Mooney and Claypool, I got to see it for more than a week before we start just junking the whole thing. And I don't think they have such an abundance of talent that they can afford to leave talent on the bench. They were the worst team in football. I mean, Claypool right now, though, is giving them like Nikhil Harry level production. I mean, he's doing what the guys did that were on that were on bargain contracts last year. But he has a chance to get better. I don't think I could. He He has that track record. I mean, he has shown it before. Right. And Nikhil Harry didn't. But the man, the trajectory ever since the start of the 2022 season with Pittsburgh, right, with him, it's not been good. It's all been going the same direction. Also, do you know who's the smartest team in the league when it comes to the wide receivers? Them. Yeah, and they gave up on him. Jason, real quick, uh, we'll make our picks and then get out of here. I have got you down picking the Bears despite everything we just said for the last 15 minutes. Uh, 26-22. Why? I just can't believe that they're as bad as they were in the opener. Okay. That just can't be. That's true. I th- I don't think they're, you know, maybe what everyone's hoping for, that they'd be this surprise 11-win team. Right. 
Like this has put it, that opener does put a dent in what I think they'll be this season, but it doesn't crush what I think they'll be this season. And I don't think they're going to go down and lose to Tampa. One interesting thing though that I, I'm going to want to see those Florida games early in the season are, are tough. Hot. Those are hot and yeah. humid. Those mm-hmm. are tough for teams from up north. So, mm-hmm. and I think it is supposed to be like 90 and sunny and humid on right. Sunday. It'll be interesting for a, a one o'clock kickoff to see how that goes, see how the Bears withstand that. And your path is Baker Mayfield um, screws up. He's going to be throwing a lot, and I do think that the Bears, like even last year you saw, they were a pretty good takeaway team, pretty good takeaway defense, opportunistic. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark Potash uh, is thinking along the same lines. He's got the Bears at 17-14, essentially saying the Bears aren't as bad as they look. Rick Tellender agrees with you as well, so take that to the bank, Jason. Tellender, Not you the and- allies I was looking for. <laughs> Right. 24-23. Rick Morrissey has got the Bucks 20 to 13. Of course he does. Scoop Jackson's got the Bucks 21-20. And I've got the Bucks 24-19. I'm just in this position now, Jason, where I just need to see it. Like I can't presume it's gonna happen. I, I I've got to see it first. This is the worst team in football. Matt Eberflus has won one road game ever as the Bears head coach. And that was a Monday night game against the Patriots, which is starting to look more like the outlier each and every day. Jason, we will be in Tampa and we will be breaking down exactly what uh, goes down in the must-win game. Until then, uh, folks can follow us on social media. Uh, Check out Mark Potash as well, too. Go pick up a newspaper or go to the Sun-Times app and website. Uh, He's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.